Hello, and welcome to the Parabiblica for the Perplexed. In this episode, we'll be covering a few of the parabiblical prayers attributed to biblical figures. Throughout the Second Temple period, prayer became an increasingly important genre among Jewish literature. As the temple in Jerusalem increasingly became viewed as a political and corrupt institution, temple rituals were replaced in many Jewish groups with daily or frequent prayers. After the destruction of the temple, prayer completely supplanted temple worship, and it remains a staple of worship in Jewish and other Abrahamic religions. These prayers often took influence from already accepted texts, such as the Psalms, Tehillim, which were part of the temple worship, and often there is no formal distinction between the genre of psalm and prayer in early Jewish literature. For the bare biblical compositions that fall more closely under the psalm genre, see the first episode of this podcast. Parabiblical prayers also drew from the prayers and songs found within larger, narrative biblical and parabiblical texts. These prayers provide us with an important middle step between biblical works and the rabbinic and other prayers which are so significant today. The first and most well-known of the texts I'll be covering is the prayer of Menashe. In Devarei Mim, or the Book of Chronicles, there is a narrative about the Judean king Menashe being imprisoned by the Assyrians, but praying for forgiveness from God and then being released. The text puts special emphasis on this prayer as the focal point of his repentance. However, it does not actually include any of the text of this prayer. This perceived omission was filled at some point within the first two centuries BCE with this apocryphal work by an author writing presumably in Greek. The prayer begins with an appeal to God as the patron of the forefathers, an opener familiar to many rabbinic prayers, notably including the Emira, that is the center of every tefillah. The prayer then moves into describing God's might, interestingly stressing God's domination over the sea in a manner similar to the earlier warrior-like descriptions of God from some psalms and elsewhere, but generally absent from later texts. It then praises God's repentant nature, making the point that because the righteous do not sin, repentance must have been created as an opportunity for the wicked. This point may be to specifically contrast the much more black and white view of the righteous few and wicked many found in many contemporaneous texts, notably apocalyptic literature. Menasha then confesses his sins, and, although idolatry is mentioned, it is mostly more general, which may suggest that the prayer was intended for use by a wide audience. The prayer concludes with supplication for forgiveness not dissimilar in theme to the Slichot prayers today. The prayer of Menasha is not the only example of repentant prayer by a king to be found in the Parabiblica. Within the Dead Sea Scrolls, there is a prayer attributed to the last Babylonian king, Nabonidus. It begins with a title identifying the piece as a prayer recited by Nabonidus after he recovered from an ulcer sent to him by God. Nabonidus describes how he was afflicted by this ulcer for seven years, until one of the Jewish exiles, who is an exorcist, pardons his sins and heals him. He then instructs Nabonidus to record his prayer. Nabonidus states that he spent seven years praying to idols, believing them to be gods, but without success. The prayer cuts off there, but presumably continues to discuss his turning to God and success in that regard. The historical Nabonidus is known to have promoted the Babylonian moon god, Sin, over the national deity of Marduk, 
which the author of this prayer may have interpreted as an attempt at monotheistic reform. Additionally, he spent some years in the capital of Teman in exile, as the prayer alludes to. Perhaps more interesting than the historical allusions in the text are its parallels to the story in the canonical Daniel about Nebuchadnezzar and his madness and how it was healed. This very similar story has Daniel help this earlier Babylonian king recover from seven years of madness by turning to God. Most scholars think that this Nabonidus narrative actually predates the canonical Daniel and was later reworked into this Daniel narrative. This position sheds light on the origin of the first half of Daniel as a loose collection of court tales, only later made into a single cohesive narrative. The next prayer I'll be covering also comes from the Dead Sea Scrolls. It is referred to as the prayer of Enosh and Enoch by scholars because it seems to have been attributed to one of the two of these two antediluvian patriarchs, or possibly another, although who exactly is not specified in the text. The text is extremely fragmentary, but it focuses on Enochic concepts, such as the lineage from Adam to Noah, the glory of angels, and seemingly the Messiah, as well as more broad Jewish concepts, such as Jerusalem, the mitzvot, and holidays. This and other prayers throughout the Dead Sea Scrolls are helpful for understanding the similarities and differences between the prayers of different strains of Judaism during the Second Temple period. And this type of prayer in particular may explain why early rabbinic prayers are rarely mystical, especially in contrast to later Kabbalistic prayers. While the previous prayers were all likely written within Judea and its religious context, the next prayer is from the Greek Magical Papyri, a group of mantic texts from the highly Hellenistic Alexandria, Egypt, some of which are Jewish in their origin. This text, titled The Prayer of Jacob, is seemingly a prayer recited to be transfigured into an angel and become immortal, although the exact specifications of how the prayer is meant to accomplish this goal is unclear. This idea of transfiguration is hardly unique to this text, and the specific identification with Jacob as becoming an angel is found in numerous other sources, including, notably, the work titled Prayer of Joseph, which, despite its title, has no elements of prayer, at least not in the portions that survive. The Prayer of Jacob was probably written in the 1st century CE in Greek, although it incorporates, often incorrectly, a number of Hebrew names and titles of God, showing an early idea of the sanctity of Hebrew in prayer, even in a non-Hebrew-speaking context. The text begins by invoking God in three ways, first, as the father of the patriarchs, second, as the creator of all things, and third, as the father of the holy powers and the cosmos. This three-part opening may sound somewhat familiar, as it actually bears very striking topical resemblance to the first three paragraphs of the aforementioned Amidah prayer. It continues from this point, praising God as the patron of Abraham, master of archangels, and present throughout the holy sites of the world. It draws in the aforementioned string of Hebrew names to summon God. Interestingly, while there are many similar texts for summoning angels and other powers throughout the Greek magical papyri, this text is fairly unique in that it attempts to summon God directly, which would have been viewed as sacrilegious by most Jews at the time. It then asks God to straighten and favor the one from Israel who recites this prayer, so they can ultimately become wise and empowered as an immortal earthly angel. It concludes by instructing the reciter to say this prayer seven times towards the north and the east which may be a very early form 
of the same idea of the still extant practice of facing east towards Jerusalem when praying that developed in Ashkenaz. This fascination with early salvation in the form of transfiguration, or assumption, reflects the interests of Anochic strains of Judaism, drawings on Hanoch's ascension. It also parallels other narratives, such as that of Jesus' transfiguration in the Gospels, as well as later ascension narratives very popular within the Merkava literature. It is briefly worth noting that while there are many works that attribute themselves to biblical figures, there are also many rabbinic prayers that are later considered to be from certain biblical figures. Notably, Alenu and its following paragraph, which are considered in rabbinic Judaism to have been written by Yoshua and Achan respectively, as well as the three-prayer structure of Shachri, Mincha, and Mariv, which is said to be from the patriarchs Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, respectively. These early prayers, attributed to biblical figures, provide key insight into the themes, structures, and purpose of the earliest pieces of a genre that would go on to become one of the most important parts of practice in all Abrahamic religions today. They are evidence to both the diversity and the conformity of prayer during one of Judaism's most fragmented and formative periods, in addition to early views of the roles and powers of many biblical figures. I hope you enjoyed this episode and found it informative. If you did, please recommend it to a friend or a colleague who may find it interesting as well. And join us next month for Parabiblica for the Perplexed, The Assumption of Moses.